On today's episode, I'm taking a look back at what Garfield was or was not doing during one of the darkest times in American history. I'm Sean Bowers, and this is Quag, the Questions About Garfield podcast. Now, normally I take my quags from the Garfield-loving masses, but today's quag is something that I've actually been wondering myself recently, which technically works for the show because I am also a Garfield-loving mass. But, you know, I am a, a stickler for protocol, so I wanted to make sure I went through official channels to ask my own question. Let's check it out. Hey, Sean. It's Sean, a longtime follower, first-time caller, but we do share the same body, uh, and I really enjoy that feeling. I hope you do, too. Hey, I was wondering, there's an old saying that goes, tragedy plus time equals comedy. Uh, I think that's how that goes. Uh, but what I'm curious about is the comedy that happened at the time of tragedy. Specifically, I'm wondering, uh, around 9-11, September 11, 2001, what was Garfield up to? Huh? What was he doing? What, was, what, what did he have going on? Uh, and be careful with this one. Don't get super sensationalist or whatever. It's an innocent question. Just use that sensitive Sean touch that you are known for and get me an answer. Uh, anyway, all right, you're doing a great job. Uh, let's take a shower together later. Okay, have a good one, man. Well, thank you, Sean, for that question. I enjoy being in your body as well. And I promise to approach this subject with the utmost care and respect that you've demanded. Before you all go there, I, I don't want you to think I'm going to be pushing some conspiracy theories here that Garfield caused 9-11, nothing as disrespectful as that. I think a better way to probably have phrased my question would have been, how did Garfield respond to 9-11? How did he react to 9-11? And the best place to start to answer that question was to go all the way back to the daily Garfield comic strip from that day, Tuesday, September 11th, 2001. Panel one. John Arbuckle stands completely isolated against an empty purple background, his eyes relaxed and calm. John says, we all have to live together. Panel two, the exact same pose the exact same expression. John is now against an empty green background. John says, we have to be considerate of our neighbors. Panel three, we've pulled back to reveal that Garfield is standing in front of John wearing a frilly blonde woman's wig, a pearl necklace, and a pair of giant high heels. John yells to Garfield, so return those to Mrs. Feeney. And Garfield thinks, can I keep the pearls? And then in the corner is the signature, Jim Davis, 9-11. Now, newspaper comics are not the most reactive media in the world. They're not doing the South Park thing where they can, you know, turn around an episode in a few days so that they're always being super topical. I'm sure that different syndicators work on different schedules, but uh, from what I was able to find... Most cartoonists are working about four weeks ahead for daily strips and about eight weeks ahead for Sunday strips because, you know, they're longer and they have color and stuff like that. Which means that this strip was probably created weeks, if not months, before 9-11. But the first attack occurred around 8.47 a.m. on that Tuesday, which means that a lot of people were probably sitting at their kitchen tables reading the daily paper, thumbing through the comics at the exact time the tragedy started unfolding. And if you just read 
those first two panels. You know, we all have to live together and we have to be considerate of our neighbors. It's kind of haunting now how relevant those two sentences would become in retrospect as we first, you know, came together as a nation then sort of splintered apart as we went off to war. Haunting, that is, until you remember that weird meatball of a joke from the third panel. Just what an absolute wrong time to do a big old-fashioned cross-dressing gag. And there's no one in the world who loves a good old-fashioned cross-dressing gag more than this guy. I say put Garfield in a wig and high heels six days out of the week, you know? But it just it wasn't the time or place. And again, there's no way that Jim Davis could have known when he was sitting down at the keyboard that hundreds of people would die on the day that Garfield wore a wig and high heels. But man, oh man, it's just weird to look back on now. The rest of that week's strips keep pulling on the thread of of Garfield torturing his neighbor, Mrs. Feeney. On September 12th, Mrs. Feeney's dog is missing, as are John's stamps, box, and twine, uh, which we are to infer that Garfield has mailed the dog to Abu Dhabi. On September 13th, Garfield pays a mouse a dollar to run up Mrs. Feeney's leg. On September 14th, Mrs. Feeney beats up John off panel and sends him to Garfield with the message that when she catches him, she'll do the same to Garfield. On September 15th, uh, it escalates wildly because Garfield seems to have stolen 15 howler monkeys from the zoo and let them loose in Mrs. Feeney's home. So if you really want to, you know, get intellectual about this and really make some connections here, this was a week of strips that really highlighted Garfield's propensity for being an emotional terrorist as the headlines on the front page tried to deal with like real actual terrorism. So if you are currently enrolled in a media studies class, I encourage you to really dig into that topic for your next term paper. That's a guaranteed A plus if I've ever heard one. That was the day of, week of, Garfield didn't really respond. The other part of this question, though, is probably did Garfield ever respond to 9-11, either directly or indirectly? And you might be thinking, well, that would be weird for a comic strip to respond to 9-11, but there have actually been a lot of comic strips that responded to 9-11 in one way or another. For instance, a few weeks after the attack in late September of 2001, Foxtrot uh, did a week of strips about how the dad went and donated blood and how proud his son was of him for doing, you know, something, even though he was kind of scared of giving blood. And he was now like sort of a hero in his son's eyes. Like this was blatant blood donation propaganda. But, you know, that it's kind of cool, right? Like Bill Ahmed was clearly trying to use his platform in some small way to encourage people to do something. So that's cool. The more significant moment when comic strips responded to 9-11 actually happened on the 10th anniversary of the event, Sunday, September 11th, 2011. A bunch of the biggest comic syndicates banded together for an initiative called Cartoonists Remember 9-11, and almost 100 creators dedicated their Sunday strips to remembering the tragedy. They were published in the newspapers, and they were also featured in special exhibits at museums around the country, uh, like the Museum in Washington, D.C., or the Museum of Comic and Cartoon Art in New York City. And again, it's a really nice idea. I don't want to take away from the notion of honoring those that we lost or the first responders who rushed in in the face of tragedy, but, you know, the idea of, of responding to 9-11 makes more sense for some comics than others. Beetle Bailey, for instance, makes a ton of sense. He's a military man, you know? Any strip about a family, maybe, 
because, you know, the parents want to hold their kids a little closer that day as they're remembering terror and that life can be snuffed out in the blink of an eye. Sorry, that got depressing. Uh, other strips faced a bit of an uphill battle. You know, how do the cavemen from the comic strip BC respond to a tragedy that happened hundreds of years after they existed? Well, you know, sure. What they did, they put up two tall rocks that cast a shadow that looked like the Twin Towers and then the words never forget were over it, which is like, sure, you know, throw up your hands. Why not? It's a nice gesture. Let's, you know, let the cavemen be anachronistic. Archie's 9-11 tribute uh, seems to have occurred right smack dab in the middle of an existing plot line about the race for class president at Riverdale High. We find out that Kevin Keller won the vote, beating his rival Reggie Mantle 278 votes to one vote, which like, woof, Reggie, get your shit together, man. But so the comic is about everyone trying to stop Kevin to talk about, uh, you know, class president business. But he's running around like, sorry, I'm working on my number one project or not now, guys. I'm working on my number one priority right now. And Archie's looking on. He's like, now that Kevin is class president, he's all involved with this big project. I, I hope he's got his priorities in order. Archie's kind of doubting what Kevin is doing. And then the last panel, Kevin reveals to Archie and everyone else that his number one priority was a giant golden memorial on the school's lawn that says Riverdale High remembers 9-11. Presumably, he spent most of the homecoming budget to make that happen, and it was 10 years later. He was probably like five years old when the event happened. But hey, you know, teenagers like being a part of stuff even if it's a decade later, I guess. I'm talking about a lot of other comics here, but I'm not going to keep you in suspense any longer. Garfield did not participate in Cartoonists Remember 9-11. On Sunday, September 11th, 2011, Garfield's strip featured John and Odie and Liz and even Squeak the Mouse all sweating bullets in their house because Garfield is hugging the air conditioner and taking all the cool air for himself. Even I, a person trying desperately to connect threads right now, cannot find a direct or indirect remembrance of 9-11 in this strip. But, another but, there was one fat orange cat who participated in the event. That's right, I'm talking about the Alterna Garfield himself, Heathcliff the Cat. In Heathcliff's 9-11 strip, we see Heathcliff the Cat giving a Dalmatian a bath scrubbing him and brushing him and hugging him. And at the end of the strip, we see the dog standing next to a firefighter in front of a firehouse, and Heathcliff and his owner salute them and say, thank you, heroes. And honestly, you know, if you're going to be a fat orange cat responding to 9-11, that's a pretty good job. That's how you do it. But in Garfield's defense, you could argue that it's not really the responsibility or job of a comic strip to reflect on tragedy, rather its job may be just to entertain, and that's okay, to provide a moment of relief during hard times. And seemingly many of the worlds that exist within the panels of a comic are worlds unburdened by things like terrorist attacks or mass shootings or even just the ravages of time, which is what makes me confident enough to really go out on a limb here and, and make a, 
a bold declaration slash assumption today. I hereby assume that 9-11 did not happen in the Garfield comedy universe. And so the answer to the question, how did Garfield respond or react to 9-11, is simply that there was nothing for him to respond to. Garfield will likely never visit the World Trade Center in his comic, nor will he likely ever have much reason to refer to it. But in that void of acknowledgement, I think there's an opportunity to imagine a better world where the Twin Towers still stand tall to this day, and hundreds of miles away in Muncie, Indiana, a stupid fat cat is eating some lasagna, about to take a nap. Sean, I hope I was able to sufficiently answer your quag, and I will see you again later when we take a shower together. If you, a human being who is not me, have a quag or question about Garfield, be sure to email us at questionsaboutgarfield at gmail.com. And if you're curious about any of the 9-11 strips from the Cartoonist Remember 9-11 initiative, check out the link in the comments of this podcast. Uh, there's a couple of them still available on the internet, and they're kind of fascinating to take a look at all back to back. Once again, I'm Sean Bowers. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time on Quag. Sean.